Alright, hello everyone and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey and I'm your host. Thank you as always for listening. And, you know, interact with the product a little bit, it would help. Like, comment, subscribe, if that's at all relevant. Star rating, written review, whatever your podcast platform of choice likes. Do a little of that, help the show out, help me out. We must stave off the algorithm and it's... <laughs> ever devouring yeah. I don't even know what to call it I, I've, I've heard too many fun descriptions of it to necessarily come up with a fully unique one of my own but yeah, it ain't great the algorithm is coming people so anything you can do to help us with that much appreciated and on the agenda this evening uh, probably going to be a fairly short show we have UFC on ESPN 43 that took place on Saturday. That was a card. Overperformed relative to how it looked on paper, I think. Safe to say. So we're going to go through all the results there. Then a little bit of news. Not a whole lot here uh, that I think is really worth kind of... There's a couple of things that are worth touching on, but there is no UFC event this Saturday. It is April 1st. And in I imagine they're staying out of the way of WrestleMania. The WWE has WrestleMania night one on Saturday, night two on Sunday. And frankly, if you're the UFC, it's easier to just avoid that one. So, nothing to preview in that respect. Uh, so, yeah, should be relatively straightforward. Let's go ahead and get down to it, shall we? UFC on ESPN 43. Uh, pretty, again, pretty solid card. It's all said and done. In your main event... I believe I picked this wrong. I can't remember how I picked specifically, but eh. Uh, Corey Sandhagen defeats Marlon Vera via uh, split decision. Split. It was a 48-47 for Vera, which I can't get behind at all. At all. A 50-45 for Sandhagen, which I don't completely agree with. That's more defensible than 48-47 for Sandhagen, but I don't agree with that. And then 49-46 for Sandhagen, which I believe was my scorecard. Um, this was a pretty good fight overall. Uh, first couple of rounds pretty clearly for Sandhagen. Vera, you know, bit of a slow starter, but when he gets rolling, he's got some, he's got some violence, man. I. Even in a sport that is fu as fundamentally violent as MMA, and MMA is, a, again, it's fighting, there are certain fighters who are just built for violence, and it stands out. And Chito Vera is one of those guys who is built for violence. He brings a lot of power to what he does. He doesn't mark up. Uh... He's there for the long haul. In fact, longer fights tend to be worse for you if you're fighting him because it gives him just more chances to wear you down and to catch you. A couple of things here as far as how this fight played out. A lot of earlier wrestling from Sandhagen to not only bank rounds, but to, I think, further instill in Vera, you know, be a little bit more cautious. Not a lot of movement from Sandhagen early. I think he was content to let... He was content to let Vera dictate elements of the pace as far as movement goes. Once Vera started upping the tempo in a little bit of the later rounds, uh, he was happy to match that and moved very well, fought very well. 
But when Vera was going to be a little bit flatter, and he was early, Sandigan didn't go out of his way to dance around. He was willing to do just enough to constantly be at the, in the better position, but not you know burn a ton of energy running around the cage. Um, Vera's takedown defense started getting better as the fight wore on. Uh, jabs back and forth were pretty good. The big thing here, this hurt Vera, uh, just the output from Sandhagen. I mean, Sandhagen outlanded him more than two to one uh, over the course of the five rounds. It just, Vera didn't really get going until later, and by the time he got going, he couldn't really build momentum on what he was doing. Now, I gave Vera the fourth. I thought that was Sandhagen's least effective round. That's more why Vera got it. Not that Vera did bad work, but... Um, that was the easiest round to give to Vera. Three was decently... Three was a relatively competitive round. I can see the argument for Vera in the, thir in the third. I don't agree, but I can see it. And I don't think Vera did enough to win the fifth. Sandhagen did a lot of circling, but... Uh, Vera was not landing anything of real significance. Uh, this wasn't quite the barn burner we all thought it might be, but it was still a pretty darn good fight. Uh, solid win for Sandhagen after the fight. He called out Marab Dwalish, really? Sure. I'm not going to complain about that one. Uh, that, you know, if Sandhagen wins that, he is undisputedly your number one contender. Uh... I don't know what good comes of Marab winning that fight, but they're in a weird spot at bantamweight. I mean, if Marab is going to hang tough to his guns about not fighting Aljamain Sterling, uh, you're going to have to do something. Now, Sterling's hinted about maybe moving up to 145, in which case you would it would be entirely appropriate for Marab to be one half of a fight for the vacant belt. Entirely appropriate. Or Cejudo might beat Sterling. I don't... That's not what I think is going to happen, but... It's not outside the realm of possibility. And if Cejudo wins, then, you know, the whole thing gets upended, so who knows. But... Yeah, between now and then, Sandhagen and Marab is not a bad fight to make. You know, Sandhagen's got a motor to kind of match Marab's. The wrestling might be a problem, but Sandigan's pretty good about putting damage on people. And Marab, he can get marked up. So, I don't know. It's, it's not a bad fight. Uh, I still think Vera's, you know, he's still a very good bantamweight. He's got to figure out this first round thing, though, man. I mean, he... Someone mentioned uh, him and Peter and uh, Piotr Jan makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying it doesn't. I think I saw um, Shaquille Majori though kind of tweet out that would be two of the the first two round two rounds of nothing, followed by the most impressive singular round in UFC history, <laughs> uh, which again is obviously a touch facetious, but speaks to a truth about how both of those guys fight. Um, I can see that fight being made. I mean, I don't know. The bantamweight's just so good. There's a lot of ways you could go with Vera and have it still make sense, so. That was our main event. Solid fight. Solid fight. Not fight of the night. 
Um, probably would have been if not for your actual fight of the night winner, so... Would it have... Yeah, I think it would have. Um, so that way, anyway, that was the main event. Co-main event. At women's bantamweight, Holly Holm defeats Yana Santos, the former Yana Kunitskaya. She married Tiago Santos. Uh, 30-26, and then two 30-27s. I was 30-25. Not giving her, not giving Holly a 10-8 second just seems wrong. Like, I might have been generous with the third round 10-8, but... Um, Santos came out and insisted on clinching, and that just didn't go well for her. Uh, Holm managed to weather kind of the early storm, let Santos kind of tire herself out, straining a lot in the clinch. Got takedowns, got better position... Just control, ground and pound, pretty, yeah, that, that's kind of how that went. Um, yeah, Holm needed a decent enough rebound win. She got it. This was the first fight on her new six-fight deal. Um, you saw Jack Slack tweet that, you know, there's a bunch of people out there who still do, oh, Holly Holm's fighting. She had kicked Ronda. I'm going to watch it because Holly's still fairly popular. And his, the facetious part of this was just, and they must have just, like, forgotten every other Holly Holm fight since the Ronda Rousey fight, <laughs> despite seeing all of them. Because, um, look, I, I'm not here to knock Holly, all right? I've said before that she, I think she rates very highly on the pantheon of uh, women's MMA combat, uh, not just women's MMA, sorry, female combat sports athletes, you know, with her success across... Uh, you know, boxing and MMA. Uh, it's... So I'm not here to dunk on her in that respect, but her fights aren't usually... They're not usually the most entertaining in the world. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly where she goes next from here, but... Women's bantamweight is not in a great spot overall, so who knows? Uh, next up, featherweight. Nate Landwehr defeats Austin Lingo via rear naked choke for 11 of the second. Uh, Lingo had a pretty good first round, but he couldn't keep up the pace, couldn't deal with the pressure, and Landwehr kind of broke him down as the fight kept going on. Just, again, kept pace, was stabbing him with front kicks to the body, some nasty ones. Uh, nice little finishing sequence, too, from Landwehr. Gets the back and gets the choke before he gets the hooks in. Lingo was, he's on his, I think he was on his knees. Fighting his way up and Landwehr behind him throws the right hand. Uses that punch to kind of wrap the arm fully around the neck. Locks in the choke. Uh, that's all she wrote. Uh, Landwehr's, uh, he's usually good for a fight. Uh, women's flyweight, Macy Barber defeated Andrea Lee via split decision. There was a 29-28 either way and then a 30-27 for Barber. That is utter crap. Um, no way Barber should have won the first round. Like I, I can see 29-28 Barber. I don't agree with it, but I can understand. 30-27, um, no. I, I was... Man, you gotta feel bad for... Like, I, I know Andrea Lee's, like, some of her personal choices with... Uh, in her life, like, because she was attached romantically to a guy who was, like, a neo-Nazi, and that ended badly, as one can imagine it would. But you gotta feel bad for her career, man. She's dropped, like, three of these really close split decisions that she probably should have won. 
This one, her fight with Lauren Murphy, I thought she won. Um, her fight with Joanne Calderwood. It would now, but at the time she was Joanne Calderwood. I thought she won that one. Like the, She just can't buy a decision for love or money, it seems. Uh, yeah, that's just kind of how that... Um, the fight itself, I don't have a whole lot here. Um, Barber kind of got out grappled, but did, did some decent work on the feet. And when they were on the ground was the one kind of like trying to do a bit more damage. So we need to have a reckoning. Like this fight in particular should show this. Um, grappling in MMA is not rewarded. As a general rule. Like that 3027 for Lee has for Barber has to completely ignore Andrea Lee having side control for like minutes in that first round. You just have to utterly disregard positional dominance. Utterly. And I'm not down with that, man. I think that particular... Look, there was a time when takedowns were overvalued. I was around for it. It wasn't great. That pendulum has swung too far back. We have way overcorrected to the point where takedowns mean nothing. If you're not dealing significant damage... It doesn't even matter what position you're in, right? Like, the only thing that matters is how much you're able to do. So unless you actually get the back for, like, the round, they don't care. And it, it it's not great, man. Again, we're not in a happy spot with this, as far as judging goes. Uh, let's see, next up, middleweight, Albert Durayev defeated Chidi and Jaquani via split decision. They were 29-28. Uh, no issue with 29-28 either way. Durayev had a good first round. They both kind of punted the second, and then I thought in Jaquani took the third. And when you have that kind of a fight, you just kind of have, you, you can't be mad at 29-28 either way. When you've got two clear rounds in one round, that's just really close. Uh, featherweight Daniel Pineda defeated Tucker Lutz via guillotine choke, 250 of the second. Um, Pineda was a pretty decent underdog to Lutz here, but he came out and he had something to prove. These two guys both got after it. Uh, nice finish from Pineda, actually. You can see Lutz, he's kind of, they're caught in a little bit of a scramble. Lutz comes up looking for, uh, like, to wrestle from his knees. And he's worried about the left arm of Pineda. Like, that's the one he seems to think is coming for him. And as he overcorrects to avoid the left arm, he puts his head under the right. And that lets Pineda lock up the choke. Uh, some really nice elements of the finishing bit here. You can look that up online if you're so inclined. Good stuff from Pineda. Fun little fight. Um, okay, but... Before I get to the prelims, very briefly, we lost two fights off for this card. Um, one of them we lost on weigh-in day. That was... what was it? Um, uh, Manuel Torres and Trey Ogden. Uh, there was some kind of medical issue for Torres. He missed weight, and between it all, it was like, nope. Um, oh, the other one that we lost, um, 
because uh, I think I previewed this actually. Uh, Tamiris Vidal and Haley Cowan. Uh, that got postponed due to something with Vidal. Uh, the fight got scrapped. Then on the broadcast, we were informed that we lost uh, Manel Cop and Alex Perez. Now Perez has clarified what happened a little bit. He had a seizure when he was in the back warming up. Cop uh, is understandably pissed. Uh, he went on a bit of a social media tirade. <laughs> Which, again, like, dude, I feel bad for both of these guys. I mean, if we bring up old uh, Alex Perez here. Um, since his... Uh, not that one. There you are. So Perez, um, since his loss to Davis and Figueredo, the title fight, he lost that in November of 2020. He has had, he had, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six canceled fights. In order, Matt Schnell, Askar Askarov, Matt Schnell, Matt Schnell, Matt Schnell, Askarov again. Uh, that was all of 2021 for him. And then the last two were in 2022. He finally fights in July of 22, loses to Alexandre Pantoja, uh, is scheduled for December of 2022 to fight Amir Albazi. That falls out. Supposed to fight in February of this year. Uh, Kaikara de France, that falls out. And then this one falls out. I mean... <sighs> Last year he would have been, if, I'd, if I hadn't lost all of my notes about this when, I had to, when my, computer, my old computer died. Uh, he would have been my 2022... Uh, Ian McCall Memorial, worst luck in MMA oh, recipient. I mean, that is a horrible stretch of bad luck. He might get it this year. Just as a little bit of like a retroactive apology, too, because, man. Uh, and, yeah, again, I understand Cop's frustration. You know, he's had some canceled fights recently, too. I mean, in 2022, he only fought once. A win over David Dvorak, but he was supposed to fight in in April of that year. Sumudarji that fell apart. Then in June he was supposed to fight Rogerio Bontarin, that fell apart. He finally fights Dvorak, wins. That was J uh, excuse me, that was December of last year. Now he loses this one. Like I understand his frustration too. Like it sucks for both guys, and it sucks for the fans. Like. That was going to be a good fight. I was looking forward to it. So that was the other one we lost. Anyway, as for the prelims, at featherweight, uh, Lucas Alexander defeated Steven Peterson via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Really sharp striking out of Alexander here. Peterson just never got going. Uh, Peterson retired after the fight. Makes sense. I mean, the guy has... Uh, let me take a quick look at Peterson here. He is... He's 32, so maybe a little bit young. 
But he's got 30 fights, and he's been fighting since 2000. It's, uh, not 2000. That would be ridiculous. Uh, 2010. So, you know, 13 years, 30 fights. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. So, wait and see if it sticks. Uh, that was a pretty good fight. At welterweight, Trevin Giles defeated Preston Parsons via split decision, 29-28. Can't complain about that. Um, pretty good fight. I Wait, could I complain about that? A little bit, maybe. What was the other? Hang on. There were some bad... Because there, there were some not great scores. Yeah, no, this is one of them. Sorry, I'm... It was confusing uh, this with... Um, no, this was this should not have been split. This was pretty clearly Giles' fight. Um, there were some bad scorecards last night, man. Again, that one, that 3-2 to two for Vera in the main event. The lack of 10-8s for Holly Holm in the co-main. Lee and Barber, again, I disagree with it. But the 30, okay, the 30-27 for Barber is crap. Then this one, like, no, just bad night, man. I mean, look, let me clown on Texas for just a minute here. The Texas Licensing and Regulatory Board or whatever the heck it is. Um, there was a referee and there was a Fury event in Texas, I believe. Uh, with one of the all-time worst referee performances ever. And I mean that. He watched a fighter get choked unconscious, never checked, never checked any of the limbs, never checked anything, wasn't stopping it, wasn't stopping it, wasn't stopping it. Uh, dude switches to an arm bar, and because the guy was just unconscious, he doesn't really tap in a quick manner. Uh, it gets slowed down. There's damn like that guy's elbow is messed up now. He does tap eventually, but I mean he's needing surgery on that. His elbow's jacked. It's a terrible, terrible performance from that referee, and he was one of the judges on some of these. I think like the relevant governing body for the state of Texas about this stuff has been a joke for a lo a long time, a real long time. And this was not exactly a move to improve their reputation. Just put it like that. Um, okay, next up, sorry. Uh, flyweight, CJ Vergara defeated Daniel Lacerda slash De Silva via TKO 404 of the second. This was nuts. Um, oh, by the way, uh, the judges did not give De Sil uh, Lacerda here a 10-8 first, which he should have had. Um... They go out a little bit back and forth, but things heat up. Uh, Lacerda lands a wheel kick. Rocks Vergara, gets him a little bit off balance. He goes after him. He spends like two minutes chasing this guy down, swinging at him. Vergara literally runs away in a couple of points. But when the referee's like, you can't do that, he does start throwing back a little bit. Like He indicates he's still willing to fight. He's not just running away scared. Um... He survives, but again, that should have been a 10-8. Like, they could have stopped this. Uh, it was Jason Herzog. He really could have stopped that fight in the first round, and I don't think there were a couple of points when nobody would have been mad about it. But he doesn't. 
Vergara persists. Lacerda gasses. Vergara gets him out of there in the second. Wild fight. This is your fight of the night. No issues with me there. Uh, deservedly so. And kicking everything off, Victor Altamirano defeated Vinicius Salvador via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Uh, this was a decent little flyweight fight. Not great. Dude, Salvador has those just ugly, ugly hooks. Like, you see him coming from a mile away. You're a flyweight, man. You're making your hands slower. Uh, yeah, just... They always wind up, and they're like straight arm, and they're wide, and they're just... They're not great. Really not great. That... You should not be punching like that in the UFC, especially in this weight class. Uh, and overall, mostly this was Altamirano, but wrestling his way to victory. A couple of good striking exchanges. Like, again, not a bad fight, actually. Kicked off the night in a pretty decent way. Uh, your bonuses, I mentioned already. Fight of the night was CJ Vergara and Daniel Serda. Performances went to the only two finishes on the entire card. Well, the other two finishes, rather, because Vergara got one. But that would be uh, Nate Landwehr and Daniel Pineda. Yeah, a lot of decisions. A lot of decisions on that card. And, yeah, that's it. Um, again, this was held in San Antonio. The Texans who fought on this card had, did decently throughout the evening. Um, yeah, if you want my full report, it's in the MMAZona411mania.com. Give it a look. There's clips of the finishes, as well as my live round-by-round -round scoring and whatnot, so you all know the drill by now. Give that a read if you are so inclined. Always appreciate it. We are going to be short this evening. Or whenever you happen to be listening to this, I'm just recording it late at night. All right, let's move on. So, let's talk about Colby Covington. So, Dana White is insisting that Colby Covington will get the next title shot at welterweight. I said last week, I believe it was, that... I, from a meritocratic standpoint, it should be Bilal Muhammad. I stand by that. I'm not exactly a fan of the guy, of Muhammad. Not a fan of Covington necessarily either, but I think that when you start, here's the thing: the UFC plays favorites. They've always played favorites. This isn't news. However, there's you're in danger here of violating an assumption that you don't want to violate. Okay, there's an assumption amongst fighters and some of the fans more generally, but fighters in particular. If you are not a big name or a big personality, that if you win enough, you will still be rewarded. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of a twist to this that you have to be aware of. Um, we kind of call this the... You call it the John Fitch route to the title, right? Like, you just keep winning. And maybe the UFC doesn't like you, but if you win enough, you have, like, they have to give you a title shot at some point. And so, this isn't always about you being a an unmarketable guy. I mean, for crying out loud. Look at how many, like, Max Holloway had a pretty darn big winning streak before he fought for the belt. You know, Tony Ferguson had that incredible run and nev and like never fought for the real belt. Was an interim champion briefly and then lost an interim title fight with Gagey. But you know, is that, what is Tony not marketable? No, of course not. But if you look at who else was fighting, there were favorites, and Tony wasn't one of them. Now, 
the the danger in taking the I'm just going to keep winning route is that you tend to only get one shot at it. And John Fitch got one shot at the UFC welterweight title. One. And he lost, and he never got close to it again. Uh, other guys have done the same thing, man. Like, you just, you grind, and you win, and maybe they're not the most exciting fights. But the assumption is, if I do this enough, they have to give me a title shot. The reality is, they don't. The UFC is beholden to no one in regards to this. When Marlon Vera mentioned in the lead-up to this last fight, like, no, I don't care about the rankings. The UFC does whatever they want to do anyway. He's not wrong. Uh... Look, it should be Bilal Muhammad by the meritocratic standpoint. And I'd rather the UFC had a bit more meritocracy in it. You know, I'm not, I talked about this a little bit last week. Like, I'm not saying there's zero case for Covington. I thought he beat Usman in their second fight. Like, I scored it for him. And his only losses... Like, I think his only losses recently are to Usman. He had that one weird one earlier in his career, but yeah, that's it. Like, in the last eight years, he's lost to exactly one guy. I'm not, Again, I'm not saying there's no case to be made. I'm saying it's not the best case in the world. And a lot of people are pushing back on this a little bit. And Colby Covington doing the rounds, promotion, you know, doing the promote uh, podcast rounds and whatnot. Doing his shtick. And yes, I think it's shtick. That's not. I'm not about. That's not to excuse what I'm about to talk about. But it is shtick. You just still have to be careful with what you say. Uh, he, among the people pushing back on the notion that he should be next, is UFC lead commentator John Anik. And there were some th- insinuations of violence made by. Colby Covington towards John Anik and amongst other people in his general sort of tirade. Now, I'm not going to be one of those guys and go, you know, you've got to go through me, buddy. Like, Covington could beat the crap out of me. I'm not under any delusion here. But there's a couple of things that need we need to unpack here. One... I mentioned this. Yes, this is shtick. That doesn't mean... That doesn't excuse it. Right? That really doesn't excuse it. It just means... Some of the reaction to this, and unless you're actually John Anik, like, some of the reaction to this is a little bit over... uh, I shouldn't say overblown. Because that... There's a bit of an overreaction going on here by certain people. As though Colby Covington's actually going to go out and try to commit assault on John Anik. He's not. He shouldn't have said what he said. He really, like, I'm not defending it in that respect. You've, you've got to know where the line is with your shtick. You really do. And because there are some people who, when it's not shtick, have been... I've had serious consequences for stuff like this. If you'll recall, those of you who've been around for long enough to remember this, um, Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar do not like each other. Frank Mir was fired from his commentary gig with uh, Zufra at the time 
for saying publicly that he hoped Brock Lesnar would be the first death in the octagon. And I... Look, was he... Was, was Mir exaggerating slightly? Probably slightly. Do, is his animosity for Brock Lesnar very real? Oh yeah, you better believe it. And there were consequences for that. If the UFC does nothing to Covington for threatening violence to their lead commentator. Again, I know it's shtick. You still can't do this. Can't's a strong word. There's not... You know, I, I'm not... When I, when I say you can't, that um, we use absolutes like that in ways that make that... When it gets repeated enough, there's a general tenor in the conversation that shifts. And I'm not always in favor of that. I'm something of a radical free speech absolutist in the especially in the governmental sense. But again, like if you if you say you can't enough, then you people start thinking, well, then why don't we dot dot dot. And I'm not down with that. But as a private enterprise, the UFC, and again, people under, misunderstand freedom of speech all the time. Like, freedom of speech just prevents the government from doing anything about anything you say. And there's a handful of limitations on that. People like to cite, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Actually, that's not the statute. Um, th there are a couple of very, you have to be very careful with limiting free speech because it's so foundational to uh, the freedoms of the that the United States is founded on. But any private entity is more than welcome to police speech. Like, if you're... An office space might have a policy of no swearing. Seems a little extreme to me, but they might. You know, you, you can't... There's certain, you know, off-color jokes or topics that are not permissible in the workplace because the workplace says that and that's perfectly legal and like you again this is just one of those things that engaging in this behavior if you're covington even if it's shtick and again i it is shtick like this is gonna this should have serious consequences i mean at a bare minimum you've opened up john anik to a mountain more of abuse uh, across various social media platforms than he was already taking. And as a public-facing figure who does commentary for MMA, he gets a fair amount of that crap already, much of it undeserved. Not all of it. By his own admission, he's not perfect. I mean, no, you know, no one is. But there's reasonable criticism, and then there's, you know, the mountain of maladjusted weirdos that follow MMA that if a fighter they like for whatever reason decides they have some kind of issue with another person just jump onto that like freaking lemmings being pointed it's like like cats chasing a laser pointer like it's just it's just, it's just not great and look that's not on in some respects that's not on Covington right like he is not responsible for what idiots do but it does show poor judgment on his part. So, again, he kind of went off on a bunch of people. And he just, he doesn't, 
I don't know if he's rusty at it or whatnot, but he's not quite found the right line with his shtick yet. Well, recently at least. And, well, again, it just kind of is what it is. I, there should be consequences for what he said. Like, that's all I'm going to say on it. There should be some kind of repercussions for that, because that's not, genuinely speaking, acceptable behavior. Um, all right, let's see. What else do we got for news? Small news item here, but seems Paulo Costa will be staying with the UFC. And he might be making, depending on... Uh, look, there are some reports that will be making around a million dollars a fight. Have to wait and see if that plays out. Um, if we if he fights anywhere that actually does purse disclosures, which is an increasingly small number of locations, but we'll see. Um, I'm fine with him sticking around. He's a little bit of a weird guy. He was he was riding um, a really fine line for a little bit there with people maybe turning on him. Then he kind of leaned into some of the gimmickry, right? He got a little bit silly. And I think that whole thing with the Robert Whitaker fight for the Australia card actually made him look good because for a while, if you'll recall, like the UFC announced that fight and he came out immediately and said, I have not signed a bout agreement for this. He, he said this publicly. Haven't signed it. UFC's announcing something that's not real. Don't be fooled. And that was his line all the way up until the UFC had to admit that fight's off. It was never on. And the fact that he was so kind of forward-facing with that, I think, helped him a lot. So, you know, again, him sticking around, yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. He's still probably a worthwhile middleweight. Um, have to wait and see, but... Uh, I'm, again, I'm not opposed to him sticking around, so... All right, that's all I've got at the moment, boy. This was short. Short fight card without a whole lot to delve into. No preview. Like, yeah, it's going to be a short episode. All right, let me check Twitter, see if anything crazy is broken. If not, we will do plugs and get out of here. All righty, nope. Uh, nothing worth talking about there. Sue, plugs. What do we got? Uh, Monday. Special Monday edition of Damn You Hollywood. We will be reviewing John Wick Chapter 4. That will be myself, Mark Radulich, Alexis Haina, and no, that is that just me and Mark? Dang, that might just be me and Mark. I'll double check that, but at a minimum, me and Mark. So that'll be uh, again Monday. If you're interested in our t thoughts on movies, we talk about the craft, we talk about what we liked. We talk about the box office returns, and we lampoon bad critics. So we do a little bit of it all over on Damn You Hollywood. Uh, let's see. Other than that, my usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. So AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday, WWE SmackDown on Friday. No UFC event this Saturday, again, WrestleMania. I'm not covering WrestleMania at the moment, have not been asked, so we will see how that goes throughout the week. I know that if you're up for 411, I, uh, Jeff Harris will be on site and is credentialed. So big shout out to Jeff. Uh, hope that all goes smoothly, but I'll probably be, I'm usually on deck. It's one of my jobs. I am perpetually on deck guy to just try and cover stuff if something falls apart. So we'll see. 
But be on the lookout for any and all of that next week. We will be back here and we will preview UFC 287, the re the uh, rematch of a rematch of a rematch. It's the fourth fight overall between Alex Pereira, your new UFC middleweight champion, and former champion Israel Adesanya. Um, uh, co-main event, Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal. Also on that main card, Rob Font and Adrian Yanez. That's great. Kevin Holden and Santiago Ponzinibbio will be fine. Don't care about Real Roses Jr. and Christian Rodriguez. That shouldn't be on the main card. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum and Chris Curtis is not a bad fight. That should be on the main card over Roses Jr. Uh, Michael Chiesa and Li Jing Leong, not bad. Chris Barnett and Chase Sherman, that'll probably suck, but it should be at least comical. Uh, you know what? Yeah, again, full preview next week, but that's a very solid card. It's a very solid card. I am not I'm not hating on any of that pretty much, so. Alright, full preview next week. Alright, that's it for me. Wow. Efficient this week, man. I am efficient this week. Good for me. Alright, I hope you all enjoyed the show. I hope I was able to keep you a little bit of company, whether that's on your commute, putting your kids to sleep, do your companion for when you're doing cardio, I don't know. However you're listening, whatever you're listening, I just thank you for it. So thank you. Stay safe out there as always. And until next time, continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>